I need to say something this morning um, and make sure that it's very, very clear. The success of an interim transitional period uh, is rests in the hands of the folks who are here every single day, who uh, come in at eight or earlier, leave five or later, and work through the weekends. And I'm talking about your ministry staff and all the support staff here that have kept uh, this church flowing, not just going, but flowing throughout these 28 uh, plus a little months. And uh, I have just never been as blessed to be able to work alongside the kind of staff that I've had the privilege to walk alongside uh, during this transitional period. And so I know you know that. And I hope that you never forget to thank them, express your appreciation to them. They have been here through the thick and the thin. They're the ones who've been here doing the work of the ministry during the week when I can't be here. And so I want you to join me right now in expressing your appreciation to the staff uh, of Taylor's First Baptist Church. Would you do that? You are so incredibly blessed as a congregation. These folks have become my friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, and I will never forget the journey that we have been able to share together, and we are going to uh, absolutely uh, stay in touch as we move ahead. Well, I'll be honest with you this morning, if I can just be honest. I was really hoping I could hang in here just one more week. Because next Sunday is a Valentine's Day, and I thought that would just be an appropriate day to be able to tell you all how much I love you and how much I have loved serving as your interim pastor. But you know, you don't always get to pick your schedule. And you don't certainly don't wait for a specific date on the calendar to tell the special people in your life that you love them. So guess what? You're going to get my Valentine message for you today. And if you have your Bibles with you, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 will be our text. And I'm going to read the chapter in its entirety. Now, I'm going to read this morning from the message, you, uh, Peterson's message translation or paraphrase. I don't, I don't necessarily use this translation for our own personal Bible study or sermon prep, but there are just some times when Peterson says some things in a certain way that it really impacts you. Uh, and I think this is one of those times. So you follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul writing says, If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet did not express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the gift of faith that could move mountains, but I have never learned to love, then I am nothing. 
And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I own to feed the poor and to even offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best of others. Love never takes, takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. There are only three things that will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The Apostle Paul says that love is the greatest thing, the most important thing, the most valuable thing in the world. And that means that the number one priority in my life is to love. It means the number one priority in your life is to love. Now, we hear that, but the danger is that we may not really understand what it means. You see, when we talk about love and when the Bible talks about love, I have to tell you, we're not always talking about the same thing. So what I want to do this morning is begin by asking a very basic question. And let's see if we can answer it together. What is love? What is love, really? You know, this single four-letter word is probably the most overused and misused word in the English language today. I mean, we use the word love for everything. I love pizza. I love my wife. I love football. I love God. We use the same word in every one of those instances, and yet we mean something different in each one. At least I hope we do. Because of this, we've developed some misconceptions about love, and I want to share some of those with you this morning. Here's the first misconception about love. The first misconception about love is that love is a feeling. This, uh, this emotional something within us. Uh, I, I'm in love, we say, because I've got some feeling in the pit of my stomach. <laughs> I love this person because when I'm around him, when I'm around her, I feel a certain way. Or I don't love that person because when I'm around him, when I'm around her, I don't feel a certain way. That, that is not what love is. Love is not a feeling. Now, love can create feelings, but love itself is not something you feel because feelings can change. Real love doesn't. I want you to listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44. Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, 
You've heard other people say this. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Now, I'm not 100% positive, but if I were a betting man, I would probably bet that most of us aren't going to feel like loving our enemies. But Jesus says, love your enemies. Why? Because it doesn't matter how you feel about it. Because love is not a feeling. Second misconception about love is that love is somehow uncontrollable. In other words, I can't help it if I love this person, or I can't help it if I don't love that person. In fact, we even say things like, I fell in love, as if we stumbled into it, or it was somehow an accident. We say, I can't help it, I'm in love. Or, I can't help it, I don't love him anymore. I can't help it, I don't love her anymore. And the misconception is that we cannot control love. Would you look again at what Jesus said, this time in John chapter 13, verse 34? Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. This is a command, Jesus said. Do you realize Jesus would never tell us to do something? He would never give us a command that was beyond our ability, that was beyond our control. Love is not uncontrollable. We can control it. We can love even our enemies. So, if it is not true that love is a feeling, and if it is not true that love is uncontrollable, what is the truth about love? Well, here's what the Bible has to say about love. Number one, the Word of God tells me very clearly that love is a choice. Love's a choice I make. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12, Paul is talking about followers of Christ and he is describing some of their characteristics and he says to them, that is you and me, he says, put on compassionate hearts and kindness and humility and meekness and patience. And then in verse 14, he says this, And above all else, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Paul says, put on love. It, it, it's like getting dressed. Every morning, you've got a choice, right? About what clothing you're going to put on. Well, the Word of God says you also have a choice every day about what kind of attitude you're going to put on. How about that, huh? Put on love. Paul says, above all else. Why, why does he say put on love? Because love is a choice. It's a choice. Second truth about love is that it is an action. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18 reads, Our love should not be just words and talk. It must be true love which shows itself in action. Do you know what? It is very easy for any of us to say to someone else, I love you. It's, it's not particularly hard to come up with those words. Anybody can say that. 
But real love isn't just what you say. It's not your words. It's not your talk. It's not something you only verbalize. It is something that you do. John says, true love shows itself in action. Now, that's the truth about love. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. It's not uncontrollable. It's something you and I should be putting into action every single day. So when we understand this, it helps us begin putting together a definition, a biblical definition of love. And we need a biblical definition of love so that we will be able to know whether we have this love or whether we don't have this love. Because, listen, the Bible says There is nothing greater. There is nothing more important. There is nothing more critical than love. So let's see if we can come up with a biblical definition of love right now. Now, it helps to know uh, when you open your Bibles and you begin reading through the New Testament, there are at least three different words that are translated love. Now, I've listed them for you if you have your message guide in front of you or on your phone. If you're looking at that this morning, three different words that are translated love in the New Testament. The first word is the word phileo, which is the most general kind of love that there is. It refers to affection and friendship. In fact, the city of Philadelphia is called the city of brotherly love because that's what phileo means. But that's not the word used in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. There's a second word. It is the word eros, which refers to the romantic kind of love between a man and a woman. This is a more sensual kind of love, but this is not the word found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. There is a third word. It is the word agape, which describes the highest kind of love. Love. It's the kind of love described in John 3.16 where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. It's the word John uses in 1 John 4.7 when he says, Beloved, let us love one another. And it is the word we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 where Paul says, The greatest of these is love. This is the kind of love God is calling us to demonstrate toward one another. It is an unselfish love, a sacrificial love, a serving kind of love. It is a God kind of love. And here's the definition I like best. Taking all of this together. Love means reaching out to others in a way that seeks their highest good, while at the same time seeking no benefit for yourself or even expecting anything in return. Let me read that again. Love means reaching out to others in a way that seeks their highest good, while at the same time seeking no benefit for yourself or expecting anything in return. Now, this is not something you may always feel, 
but it is not out of your control. It is a choice you make. It is an action you take every single day. And if you want to see that kind of love lived out and on display, look to your example. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the greatest example of, example of love that we have. And we find that illustrated best, I think, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. And I'm going to read this again from the message. It reads like this. Love each other, Paul says. Love each other. And then he tells us how. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand to others. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status, no matter what, not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity, took on the status of a slave, and became human. And having become human... He stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death and the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. That's love, folks. That's the real thing. True love puts yourself aside so that others can get ahead. That's what Jesus did. True love lets go of your personal rights and your privileges and your preferences to meet the needs of other people. That's what Jesus did. But this is something that's often extremely hard for us to do, and, and I understand that. But biblical love, church, real love, takes the humble place. It takes the low place. It is willing to sacrifice and give up whatever it takes to seek the highest good of someone else, even those who may not deserve it. Did we deserve that from Christ? Absolutely not. But yet, literally, the Greek text says here, Jesus emptied himself for us. And listen, it wasn't a feeling. I don't think Jesus felt like, at least from a human perspective, giving up his throne in heaven to be born in the stench and the cold of a stable, to be laid in an animal trough. I don't think he felt like giving up his glory as the eternal son of God, the adoration of the angels, the praise of the host of, the he of, of heaven, his communion with his heavenly father to endure the anger and the hatred of his enemies. I don't think Jesus felt like going to the cross, dying as a common criminal. Hebrews 12, 2 doesn't say Jesus enjoyed the cross. It says he endured the cross. He didn't feel like any of that. That's why he said, Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. He didn't feel like it, but he loved us. He loved us. 
So he made the deliberate choice to set aside his privileges and his status. He made the deliberate choice to become human. He made the deliberate choice to humble himself. He made the deliberate choice to go to the cross. And he did it without seeking any benefit for himself and without expecting anything in return. In fact, we know that to this very day, the majority of the people who have ever lived on this earth have rejected Christ. But he took the risk and he gave his life anyway. That's love, folks. That's love. Nothing less than that. And this word tells me that that must be my greatest goal in life. There is nothing more important than this. So, uh, preacher, I hear you say it's important. Why, why, why is this so important? I mean, it sounds great, but, it, but is love really supposed to be the supreme pursuit of my life? Yes, it is. And let me tell you why. Let me give you just about five reasons that I'm going to close this morning. Why is all this stuff about love so important? Here's number one. Love is so important because it is the greatest commandment Jesus ever gave. You remember in Matthew chapter 22, one of the leading religious figures of Jesus' day came up to him and he asked him a question. He said, uh, teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? In other words, if there's one thing I need to get above anything else, if I don't get anything else, Lord, give me the most important thing. If there's one truth that must stand, if everything else falls, what is it? Do you remember what Jesus said? Verses 37 through 40 of Matthew 22. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And now watch this. Jesus said, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Jesus said that. Not me. Jesus said that love is the highest and the greatest and the most critically important command of all. Love God and love the people in your life. That's it. Everything else in Scripture, Jesus says, hinges on this. If I don't get this right, really, nothing else matters. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13. Without love, I produce nothing. I gain nothing. I am nothing. There's no greater commandment in the Christian life. And if there was no other reason why we should live lives of love, this is enough right here. But that's not the only reason. There's a second. Love is so important because the Word of God says it is the proof. It is really the proof, the ultimate proof that I'm a Christian, that I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, it's not what I say. It's not how I... I might look to other people. It's not that I come to church and carry a big Bible under my arm. It's not that I know all of the deep theological answers to all of the questions of life. No. Listen. The Word of God says 
The proof, the proof of the Christian life is love. 1 John 4, 12. Listen to this. No one has ever seen God. But if we, what? Love one another. God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. If we love one another, God lives in us. Still not sure? 1 John 3.10. Let me show you again. 1 John 3.10. This is how we know who the children of God are. And who the children of the devil are. It's pretty strong. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. Nor is anyone who does not love his brother and sister. I don't know, folks, how you can get much plainer than that. Say what you want, think what you want. But this word says, the proof that Jesus Christ lives in me, the proof that I am a child of God, is seen in whether or not I love those around me. Number three. Love is important because it demonstrates the authenticity of our faith to an unbelieving world. John chapter 13 verse 35 reads, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you what? If you love one another. Can I tell you something? When the atmosphere in our churches, when the atmosphere in our homes is one of fussing and fighting, disagreements, hurt feelings, bitterness, anger towards one another. When churches especially become places of division and strife, when God's people display attitudes of, of anger, hatred, and prejudice, you know what it says to the world out there? It says we are a bunch of hypocrites. It tells them that what we preach and teach and tell them that they need isn't real. I'm going to tell you something. It is not our eloquently explained theology that's going to get through to a cynical, unbelieving world. It's not our carefully crafted sermons. It's not our programs. It's not our facilities. It's not a certain pastor that stands in our pulpits. The Word of God says it is our love for one another that will show people that Jesus Christ is real. And I'll tell you what I believe. If Taylor's First Baptist Church or any other church becomes a church that is characterized by, known for, filled with the kind of love that we've been talking about this morning, you have to lock those doors back there to keep people out. Because the culture out there is dying for something like this. They are dying for something like this. We've got it. We've got it. And we ought to be known for that above all else. Number four. Love is what breaks down relational barriers. 1 Peter 4, 8. Peter writes and says, Most importantly, love each other deeply. Because love will cause people to forgive each other for many sins. Love will cause us to forgive each other for many sins. You know what? None of us is perfect. Starting right here. 
None of us is perfect. All of us do things at times that hurt other people's feelings, that offend people, that let people down. All of us at some time have done something that made someone angry, disappointed someone. When those things happen, relationships can be damaged. They can even be destroyed. You know what the antidote for that is? Love. Love. When you love people deeply, when you're committed to seeking the highest good of someone else, you're not expecting even anything in return or any benefit for yourself, you're just seeking the highest good of others, then those sins, those mistakes, those hurt feelings, those disappointments can always be overcome. Always. 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 Finally, Love is so important because it is the measurement of our ultimate success in life. It is the measurement of our ultimate success in life. You just can't say it any better than Paul said it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3. No matter what I say, what I believe, or what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Many translations say, without love, I gain nothing. The fact is, without love, nothing else matters. No achievement, no accomplishment, no accolade, nothing else has any value without love. Church, I love you. The, the, the most important words I could possibly leave with you. Love God. Love one another. Love a hurting, sin, sick, world out there with the love of the Lord and God will do something in your life and in your relationships and he will do something in this place that you could not imagine pray with me Heavenly Father thank you for this journey that we have been blessed to walk together And now, Father, as a page turns and a new chapter opens before us, I pray, Lord, that above all else, the overriding characteristic of our lives individually and as the people of God here at Taylor's First Baptist Church would be that of love. Father, I pray that we would be that kind of people and that you would use us 
to shine the light and the life and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ deeply into our homes, this church, our community, this nation, and among the nations. Always for your honor and glory. Always that Christ might be lifted up so that many would be drawn unto Him. It's the prayer that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing together this morning, and I don't know how God may have spoken to you today. Maybe, maybe there's a particular point, place in your life where you need to inject the kind of love we've been talking about this morning. It's a supernatural kind of thing. It's not something that you can do on your own any more than we can live any part of the Christian life in our own strength. Something God has to do through you, but He says He can and He will. Remember, it's not a feeling. It's a choice you make. It's It's not uncontrollable. It is an action you take in every area and arena of your life. And it makes all the difference. People out there are dying for this love. Literally, they're dying for this love. Who can you give it to?